seated. If you have a Bible, please turn to John chapter 15, and it will appear on the screen behind me. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, You're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. And as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Amen. May God bless that reading of His holy word. Fruitfulness is what this passage is all about. And we have been teaching about this for several weeks now, but there's great depth to these words in John's Gospel. And today we have the opportunity to go back to John 15 and to look again at what Jesus is saying, to look at some things that we weren't able to say on the 8th of January, the last time we looked at this passage. But the most obvious point is this, that God loves us and He wants us to live life to the full. He wants us to live fruitful lives and He wants us to be Rooted in Him, He wants us to bear much fruit. What is that fruit? It is the quality of the life that we live. It is what people see when we go to work tomorrow morning. It is what people see when we go into the school. It's what our family members see who don't know us. It's what our neighbors see when they know that we're Christians, but what is it about our lives? What is the difference that they see in us? And that's what the Bible calls fruit, or to use more biblical language, righteousness. 
Psalm 1 speaks about the righteous. That doesn't mean that we're perfect, far from it, but we are in Christ and we receive from Him grace on the days when we're not perfect, which the last time I looked was every day. There's a verse here which we didn't speak about earlier. Just to introduce it, the Father is like that relentless gardener. He is so loving. He, he loves us too much to leave us as we are. Do you ever think about that? Is it loving to leave someone just as they are? Or is it more loving to get alongside them, to get close to them, and to help them to grow? This Father God is so loving that He gets really close to the vine. He's never more close than when He's pruning it. When He's getting rid of the, the excess, the, the useless parts of our lives, the parts that are not producing a good witness, that are not blessing, and He prunes us. And He's never closer to us than when He's pruning us. That's Father God. That's, but, but the vine itself is it's a picture. We mustn't sort of get carried away and analyze it in every single grape. But it's a picture of a union between Jesus and the people who trust in Him. And I pray this morning that you trust in Him but if you don't trust in Him, you are so welcome to continue to explore, and we want to help you to find Jesus and to be in Jesus. That's what this church is all about. This is why this church was set up in the heart of the community, that people who, wouldn't, who don't know Jesus would come to know Him. So if that's you this morning, you are so welcome. But look at what this verse 2 says. It's, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. What is the test of a Christian? How do you know if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian? And yes, I could, I could take you through very important Bible passages speaking about trusting in the cross, trusting in God's forgiveness, and receiving His grace, and coming into relationship with Him. And that's all 100% true. But this passage tells us something really practical. If you're a Christian, you will bear fruit. And if there is no fruit... Question mark, are you a Christian? Every branch in me that bears no fruit, he cuts off. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I don't like talking like this, 
But this is what the Bible says. So I will faithfully pass it on to you this morning. There are people who look like they're Christians, but they're not Christians. There's people who sound like they're Christians, but they're not Christians. One of them, if you look at this passage in the context of the Last Supper, was called Judas. Judas was so close to Jesus that Jesus shared the meal with him. He was so close to Jesus that Jesus washed his feet. But he was not a true follower of Jesus. And he was cut off from the land of the living. No one who looked at the twelve disciples would have thought that Judas was not a Christian. He was there. He was counting the money. He was, I'm sure, a great help in some ways, but he did not believe in Jesus. He didn't trust him. Now, there's another disciple who's mentioned in chapter 13, and his name's Peter. And Peter had a, a crisis as well. His crisis was that in the moment of pressure, he denied Jesus three times. And he wept bitter tears when the cock crowed. The difference between Peter and Judas is that Peter was a true believer. And he was pruned. He went through a really difficult experience. He went through a stripping away of everything in his own strength so that he could come to trust in Christ alone. So the difference between pruning and a cutting off in judgment is a question of true belief. What does true belief look like? It means that we are joined to Christ. His life flows into our life. He lives inside us. We can know all the theology but still be outside of Christ. The most important thing is that we are in Christ, that He is in us. And we can do so much activism and good works. Jesus said that on the day of judgment, people will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name and that in your name? And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Jesus, talking about the parable of the sower, said this, the seed gets thrown out and it falls in different places. And some of the seed falls on the path. Some of the seed falls 
in shallow soil. Some of the seed falls in the thorn bush, and some of the seed finds good, deep soil. The first two types of seed give the appearance of genuine belief and love for Jesus because they receive the Word with joy. But because they have no root, when the storm comes, it all just falls, falls apart. I was coming from the house this morning with this, and the wind was blowing against it, and it was doing this. And I was going, thank God for the roots. It didn't fall over. And the sad thing is that there are people who who are interested in Jesus, who are enthralled by Jesus, but when it comes to that point of, will you follow me? Will you take up your cross? Will you, will you truly follow me? They give up. Something else becomes more important, and they give up the most important thing of all. I think it's important to say that we mustn't take this metaphor too far, and we know that there are verses in John 6 and John 10 where Jesus says that those that the Father has given to me, no one can snatch them out of my hands. So if you have prayed to repent of your sins and to trust in Jesus Christ and to receive Him into your life as your Lord, it is extremely difficult for you to slip out of His hands. Some would say impossible. And the, and the reassurance of John's gospel is that once you have entrusted your life to Christ, it's very difficult to fall away, if not impossible, because God is at work in you, and He who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. So I want to say to the anxious person this morning who's thinking, maybe I'm not a Christian anymore, I want to say, take heart, take courage, because it doesn't all depend on you. That God is at work in you, and it is by grace that you've been saved, and it's by grace that you live. And don't be afraid, because God is powerful to secure you. But to the complacent Christian, I say this morning, you must persevere to the end, or you will be lost. And just because you started well doesn't mean you'll finish well. So to the anxious one, there is massive reassurance. To the complacent one, there is a stern and loving warning. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. The even more basic point this morning is, do we want what God wants? Do we want to live lives 
of love. Love and joy and peace and patience. Do we want to become like Jesus? And if this morning you're, you don't have that desire in your heart to become more like Jesus, again I say question the foundation. But if you do want to be like Jesus and you're struggling with your sin, then take heart because God is the friend of sinners like me and like you. Take heart. There is much grace for you. Someone was sharing with me about they'd been to a Jehovah's Witness church. And they said that it was, it sounded very much like a Christian church. They were, so much of it was, was similar to, to our church. They even spoke about the ransom sacrifice, which is a big way of saying Jesus died on the cross for my sins. But the difference between a true Christian and a Jehovah's Witness is that a true Christian believes that Jesus is the Son of God who always was with God but was sent by God into the world, became a human being and died for our sins on the cross, rose from the dead. And because we trust in Him, He lives in us. The Jehovah's Witness has no experience of Christ in them. Okay, an amazing quote that, that I found this week from John Calvin, no less. All that Christ has accomplished on our behalf is useless to us unless He dwells within us, unless we grow in Him. What an amazing statement. All that Christ has accomplished on our behalf, sent from God the Father to become a baby, to live a perfect, sinless life, to die on the cross for us, to, to be risen from the dead. John Calvin, 500 years ago, all that Christ has accomplished on our behalf is useless to us unless He dwells within us. So, friends, is Christ in you? There's nothing more important. How can we have Christ in us? It is to realize that we can do nothing without Him. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot live a good life without Him. We cannot be saved without Him. We cannot be forgiven without Him. We cannot stand on the day of judgment on our own merits, but only with Him. So we need to Truly repent of all of our sins, which is more than a sorry. It's a, 
It's a change of mind and a change of heart and to trust in what He has done for us. It's so important, friends. It's about eternity. Don't, don't go through this life saying, I'm going to try and be a better person tomorrow. I'll try my best. and That's not how it works. Jesus says, unless you remain in me and I in you, you can do nothing. You can do nothing at all of eternal spiritual value. So that is what this passage is saying. There's another obvious question. How does the believer remain in him? How do, how do we do it? I've shared about how the, the person outside of Christ needs to Repent and believe in order to be indwelt by Christ. Now, now for the believer, how can we remain in Him? The first thing is fellowship. Now just look at this vine that's being pruned. And think of Peter and how he was pruned. The word for pruning and the word for clean is the same word. In, in verse 3 it says, you are clean. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. It's exactly the same word, the word clean and prune. And that tells us that the way that God prunes us is through teaching, through His word. So, the way that we are shaped the way that our superfluous or excess or useless growth in our lives is, 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 is pruned is through the living Word of God. So I want to ask you, friends, what is your attitude this morning towards the living Word of God? The living Word of Christ. And again, I'm thinking of the seeker this morning. Forgive me, brothers and sisters, I'm just... I've had a prompting to go back to this. The Word of God is what saves you in the first place. And the Word of God, if you're here this morning and you're a seeker and you don't know Him, the Word of God is near you. The Word of God is so near you this morning, you can almost reach out and touch it. And that Word will save you if you believe it. And that word is that if you believe in your heart that God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a word that saves you and joins you to Christ forever. But also to the Christian, the, the word shapes us. The Word cuts us. The Word of God is living and active. It's like a double-edged sword. 
And when we humbly submit our lives to the Word of God, it cuts us, and it cuts us to the heart, and it exposes sin, and it shows us where we need to change. Why? Because He loves us too much to leave us where we are today. What is our attitude to the Word of God? Secondly, what is our attitude towards fellowship? And all these things are really important if you're going through a time of pruning. If you, if you say, well, that's me this morning. My life is being turned upside down. I feel naked. I feel I've lost so much. So much have I lost. I'm, I, I believe in Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. But I just feel I'm giving up so much. And it's really hard to be a Christian. And I just feel naked like this pruned vine. In the Old Testament, Job said in his time of suffering, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked will I depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I know that my Redeemer liveth, and in my flesh I will see God, and I will trust Him through this hard time. But in a hard time, we have a tendency to stay away from church. It's the worst thing we can do. The vine and the branches is the new people of God. It is the, the, the community centered around Jesus. And God's will is for us to be in close relationship with Him and close relationship with the church. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Don't relegate the importance of Sunday worship, of fellowship beyond the Sunday, getting to know people, building relationships of encouragement and support. Because when you go through that difficult time, it is not God's will for you to do this alone. There is no such thing as a solitary Christian. So we need that fellowship and we need that Word of God to remain in Him. And thirdly, we need prayer. In verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is speaking about how we need to talk to God about what we're going through. Is God your last resort? or your first port of call. When you, what would it take 
for you to gather some friends and say, pray with me through this time, because I can't do this on my own. And some of you this morning will say, but I don't have anyone that I can trust to do that with. Trust grows through taking a risk and becoming vulnerable enough to share a need. I know lots of people that will not take that risk, and they, they miss out on the blessing, on the grace. Come together to pray and to present your requests before God with thanksgiving and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And Jesus so wants to help us, so wants to hear our prayers and answer our requests positively. But will we come and will we ask? Fellowship, Word of God, prayer. But what kind of praying? Because some of you are thinking, Wait a minute, Alistair, this verse seems a bit too good to be true. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given for you. But let's read on, friends. It says in verse 8, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit to be my disciples. The, the prayer that God is promising to answer is the prayer for fruitfulness. Lord, change me. Lord, make me a more loving person. Make me like Jesus. May, I be may, may you be glorified in my life. Now, we spoke about John Woodhead this morning. I was in communication with him yesterday in Israel. And he has had a life-threatening operation recently. And I spoke to him just after his operation and he shared with me how he prayed, and I've got his permission to share this this morning, that it was a, an operation that the doctors were not confident that he would pull through alive. And so he prayed, Lord, may you be glorified in my life. May you be glorified. That's how he prayed. Be glorified in this situation, Lord. There's another person that, that came to me some time ago. I've got permission to share this as well. And they, they were not a church goer. And they had a, a life-threatening diagnosis. And they came to church here one night. And I spoke to them after the service. And I said, how can we pray for you? fully expecting the person to say, will you pray that I would be healed? And what the person said was, pray that I'll, that I'll know God, because if I know God, everything else will fall into place. I was bowled over. It was like one of these moments where Jesus says, your faith is amazing wasn't even a church goer. He says, I 
would like to pray for you. How would you like me to pray? I pray that I would know Jesus, because if I know Jesus, then everything else will fall into place. We prayed that she would know Jesus. She came to faith in Jesus. She went back to the doctor, and the doctor did not see the problem anymore. He says the problem's not there anymore. And she's going on with the Lord now. Because she's praying for the Father to be glorified. She's praying that her life would be, whatever happens, Lord, may I grow. Whatever happens, may I remain close to you. So we remain in Christ through remaining in fellowship with Jesus, in fellowship with His people, in receiving the Word of God, and feeding on the Word of God, and receiving the correction of the Word of God, and praying for God's glory to be done in our lives. And then the fruitfulness flows. But we're not in control. And because we're not in control, it's through faith that we live. This is what Jesus is calling the disciples to. This is, this is as we read the story on, he goes to the cross. He says to them on the mountaintop in Galilee, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples. And how are they going to do that? Through following Jesus, through suffering, through bearing fruit, in love, in faithful witness. They're not in control, but they're trusting. And then when the, day, when the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost, what do we hear about the church? We hear that the church was devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to fellowship. The very three things that I've mentioned this morning, to fellowship, to prayer, to the Word of God, and God did amazing things amongst them, and all the favor of God was upon them, and the community noticed, and people were daily being saved. So that is the vision of Christ for His church. Let us pray. Father God, we thank You that You have given us Jesus Christ. And I pray for any this morning that, that do not have Christ. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. I pray today, Lord, that people will move by your grace from outsiders to insiders, from darkness to light, from living by their own strength to living by the strength of God. And I pray that you would help us to grow in fruitfulness. And I pray that you would help us to pray in the name of Jesus for you to be glorified and for your family to be extended. Thank you, Lord, that you are in control because you are Lord of all. In Jesus' name, amen.